Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, I'm looking forward to a great day together. I'm excited about what God's going to do. It is a long three-day or four-day weekend. How many of you got a four-day weekend? Oh, we, we are so jealous of you. How many of you just got the three-day weekend? You just got the three-day? Okay, all right, there we go. We hate all the four-day weekend people right now, but if you got a three-day, that's okay. All right, excellent. Welcome to Southridge. We are in a series entitled Love Did This. We kicked it off last week out of the book of Jonah. We're going to be in Jonah chapter number two. If you have your Bible, uh, you can turn to Jonah chapter two. If you don't, don't worry. We've got it up on the screen, and we're going to turn there in just a moment. We kicked off this series last week, and we're learning about this character of Jonah, Jonah is a prophet, one of 50 prophets, and this prophet was given a command by God to go and preach to a people 500 miles away, and yet Jonah decided to take what God had told him, listen to it, and then run the opposite direction. You see, God had told him to go to Nineveh, that's 500 miles from his home. Instead, he decided to go to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles away. Sometimes running from God costs us more when we just do it our way. Sometimes disobeying God is harder than obeying God. And sometimes we just need to say, you know what, God, I know this is hard to obey you, but I'm just going to step into what you've called me to do, and I'm just going to obey you in this next season. Because disobeying you is a lot harder. Because it, it seems like it almost takes some creativity to disobey God. Uh, Jonah, many scholars believe that he had sold everything he owned and he packs all of his belongings or whatever he had and he charters this ship that he goes down to Joppa to get away from God. Like he's leaving his old life behind to go into this next season. He's, he's leaving everything behind because sometimes we'll do some silly things because we're running from God and we're running from what God wants us to do. And that's exactly what Jonah did. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Jonah chapter one, verse three, it says that Jonah went down from his home to the city of Joppa. Then the Bible says he rents or charters a boat and then he goes down into the boat. Sometimes we look at our life and we see the decline that our life is in and we like to blame our decline on someone else. But really our decline is based on our decisions. Our decline is usually based on our decisions, but too often we want to blame our decline on somebody else. We want to point fingers and and find somebody else to blame and say it's their fault or it's uh, my parents' fault or it's my school's fault or it's the government's fault. We just want to blame instead of saying, wait a minute, I'm in a decline, but maybe my decisions affected this because Jonah's decisions, he made them. He was the one that was responsible for his decisions instead of just surrendering to God's will. I find that Christians who do not surrender their will to God are like cars without steering wheel. You can go fast, you can get somewhere, but you have no control over where you're going because you're not yielded to what God wants you to do. And so you can cause great destruction instead of being uh, uh, available what God wants us to do and be a part of what he is doing and what he is working out. So we're looking at the story of Jonah, and last week we said that you can run from God, but you can never outrun God. That his love met us. His love came down when God sent Jesus from heaven to earth. His love met us, wherever we were at. No matter if we were running from God, no matter what we were doing, no matter if we were trying to find him or or not trying, God's love, he met us. But then we followed up, I said, God's love, it moves us. You see, God's love met us to be on mission, and the mission is his message. The message is that for God so loved the world. That's the message, and that's what we're supposed to be moving and doing. And then we said God's love matters to us. It's important. The love of God is everything. 
And so we're coming into part two of our series, and we're jumping into it. And let's just kind of dive right in, because it's all about Jonah running from God. And I don't know about you, any runners in the house, you enjoy running, can I see your hands? Wow, a lot more than in the first service. The first service, we like Netflix, and we like SportsCenter a whole lot more than we like exercise, all right? So this is the healthy crowd. This is the crowd that's going to live to be 100 and look great at 100, okay? That's you guys, all right? Excellent. Now, so, so you guys like to run. I, I get you, but I don't like you. I, I just, if you like to run, I don't know what happened to you that you like to run. I am not built for running. I'm short and stubby, and that's just not great runner's body, okay? And uh, so running's not my thing, but oftentimes I can find myself running from God. And it just sounds funny that we try to run from God, run from his influence, run from his desires. And we can run wide to try to do our own thing. And I remember when I was dating my wife, it was 2007, we were doing a, a Thanksgiving before we got married at her house, and uh, her family, they loved to run. They can run all the time, they're always running, we were there over Christmas and New Year's, and they get up early and they go running. Once again, I do not understand that. Why, why do you want to run for fun? I just don't get it, and uh, they like to run for fun. For me, that's, there's a whole lot of fun things to do. Running is never on my fun list. It's never made that list, okay? Maybe it's made it for you never made it for me. People buy me running shoes, and I think, you're crazy. I'm going to re-gift these. I'm going to give them away. Where's the receipt? I'm taking them back. I don't need running shoes. Well, I intentionally never bring shoes that I might be able to run in to her parents' house. You say, why? Because they always inevitably invite me to run, okay? And I don't like to run. And on this Thanksgiving, I was kind of in a tryptophan coma, and they were like, we need to run this coma off. I was like, no, we need to sleep it off. That's what you do, okay? You have a TV and a couch. That's what I plan on doing the rest of the afternoon, just there. They're like, no, we're going to go to this park. We're going to run 3.3 miles. I was like, no, we're not. And I was like, because I conveniently didn't pack any shoes, all right? And they were like, that's okay. We have a pair for you. I was like, oh, no. But uh, I had another excuse. I'm short, but I have big feet. Big, fat, wide feet. Okay? So I was like, saved by my big, fat feet. All right? And so I was like, no, no, no. My feet are too big. And my father-in-law, he's great, but he is an Asian man. And, uh, and Asian men aren't always ha- known for having bigger feet. And I'm, I have unusually gross and large feet. And so it's one of those where I was like, oh, I'm not going to fit. But he was, he was determined that these shoes would fit on my feet. So you ever seen that scene in Cinderella where the stepsister is trying to cram their foot into the glass slipper? Well, that's me trying to get my foot. And I, th- I don't think it covered my ankles, to be honest. They, they really didn't. So I'm like running on my toes the entire time. 3.3 miles. I did finish it. It was a horrible experience. And I'm scarred to this day from running. So I know running. I just don't enjoy running. I only run if I have to to run, okay? But oftentimes, I find that we run from God. We run from his presence. We run from his influence. And Jonah, the Bible says that Jonah ran onto a ship, and this ship goes out of the sea, and the Bible says that God prepared a storm for that ship, and the sailors, they're afraid. But while they're going through the storm, Jonah's down below, and he's asleep, maybe seasick, but whatever the reason, he is asleep, and the sailor, the captain of the boat, comes down to Jonah and says, Jonah, wake up. We're in this storm. You need to pray to your God. You need to do something about this storm that we're in. And then they ask Jonah, hey, what's going on? What are you, what is it that you've done because they believe that bad things, karma happened to people that were bad people. So they wanted to know why this guy was running. Did he just murder somebody? Did he do something wrong? Why is he here? And he just said, no, I'm running from God. And then the Bible says that they were all these sailors were afraid. 
And so they said, well, what can we do to make sure the storm will cease? And Jonah tells them, throw me overboard. And when you throw me overboard, the storm will stop. You see, this is a lesson for us. Many times we're going through a storm, and it's not because of anything we've done, but it's because of who's in our boat. It's because of who's in our life. Some of you are wondering why you're kind of on repeat. The same problems are following you into 2018 that followed you into 2017, and it's because of your squad. You ever seen this hashtag squad goals? Yeah, we all, we all got that, and it's like, ah, oh, my squad goals. You know, this is, what, this is my squad. And some of your squad is keeping you back. I notice, I meet people, and I'll talk to them, and I'll say, hey, have you noticed your friends, what the relationship is built on? Too often, our relationships are built on our mutual disinterest, not our mutual interest. Oh, you hate who's in office? I hate who's in office. Let's be buddies. Oh, you don't like that boss? I don't like him either. Let's be friends. Oh, you don't like that neighbor? I don't like that neighbor either. Excellent. Let's be friends. You don't like this? You don't like that? You hate this? You don't like that team? You don't like that show? Excellent. Let's be friends. And if you notice, every time you're with these friends, the only thing you talk about is what you both don't like. Like you've never actually had a real conversation about something that's actually positive or that, that, that is profitable. It's all about what you don't like. And then you finally one day realize, wait a minute, we need to find something to talk about. Let's talk about something positive. And you both just stare at each other. Because you, you just realize we actually have nothing in common. The only thing we had in common was what we both mutually disliked. We don't have mutual interest. You have totally different things than I like. And so then you're like, I need to find a friend who we both don't like you. Because we need to find, you know, I gotta, this, this didn't work out. Because why? It's all about who's in your boat. So this year, you want 2018 to be better than 2017? Then it's all about who's in the ship. It's all about who's in the boat with you. Who are you going through life with? Is there some friends? Are there some influences? Are there some people that shouldn't be there? Then at the beginning of the year, say, you know what? Hey, we've come to a parting of the ways here, so to speak. Many of us, we could just take our phone, and under their contact, you just swipe left. little red button comes up. Delete. I just did you a big favor for a bunch of you. They probably owe you money anyway. Delete. Delete. You're like, not till I get paid back. They're not going to. All right, I'm just telling you right now, they ain't going to pay you back. So you might as well just delete. You say, why? Because if you're going to go where God wants you to get, you need to make sure who's on your boat. Now, that had nothing to do with the message. That was just free. All right? Totally free. Just for you. Now, as we dive into this message, as we start talking about running, you say, well, what do I do now that I've messed up? All right, so I get it. I, I made some poor decisions. I've made some poor decisions, and my life is not going where I want it to. And yes, I've made my mistakes. Now what? It's that now you can turn the aftermath of that problem into an altar. Or you can trust God that he'll bring revival out of the wreckage. That God can restore this. That God can fix that. That God can bring things back that which we've broken, which we've destroyed. Because God wants to give you a revival out of the wreck. That God wants to restore these things. But God cannot give you a revival if you're running. And while you're running, there can't be revival. There can't be restoration. So too often we wake up and we're just like, man, another day I just get up and I just keep running. So now with our hearts and minds kind of prepared, let's all stand for the reading of the word of God. I promise I won't have you standing for long. But let's go to Jonah chapter number 2. I want to read just 10 short verses for you to really get a firm grasp of this passage. And let's just stand out of respect for the word of God, get some exercise. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak through his word. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. He said, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. 
All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast away from your sight. Yet I will look again to your holy temple. The waters encompassed me, even to my soul. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. Yet you have brought me up, my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who follow vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Verse number four. Then I said, I am cast away from your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. Here's a man who ran from God, but he's saying, I'm going to look again. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do a reviving work. As we go into 2018, it's my heart's desire that we see a revival, that we see where once we walked passionately and followed you and we sought you, that our heart would be rekindled, that there would be a passion in our bones to once again to seek your face, to hear from you. I pray that our church would be a church that wants nothing more than to hear from our God. And I pray that you would speak to us, speak through us. We love you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And before you sit down, you got to find five people and say they look good this morning, all right? Five people, tell them they look good, and then you can go and find your seat. Five people, they look good. Five people, they look good. Hopefully you found some people. Once you found, found some people to tell them you look good, you can have a seat. I'm just trying to help you find a new squad in case you need a new squad this morning, all right? You just met five people. They can be on your squad because everybody at church is a good person, all right? Now, let's jump into it. People laugh. They're like, no, you don't know the person next to me. You, you have no clue. It's all good. We're looking at this thought that we can run, but when we run, we won't experience the revival that God wants. What is revival? Revival is a restoration of former things. A revival is where God brings us back to the state where we need to be, where he wants us to be. And too often we're guilty of running from God. We're guilty of running and seeking our own things and wanting our own desires. And now we come to a point in the life of Jonah where he's done running. He's tired of running. Running has cost him. Running has cost him so much, and now he's in the belly of a whale, and he's praying out to God, and he's saying, God, forgive me for running. God, help me now to once again follow you. So he's tired of running, and it's at this point where he now realizes that revival can come out of every wreck. And that might be the truth that you need to know this morning, because you may be looking at your life right now and saying, I blew up this relationship. I blew up this job. I blew up this this thing with my spouse or this thing with my son or my daughter or with my relative. And you need to mark this down, that revival can come out of every wreck. So whatever you're experiencing now, God can bring a revival out of it. Don't look at it as hopeless. Don't look at it as too, too far gone. I want you to mark it down this morning that God wants you to go 
into this year with a promise in your heart knowing that God can work it out, that God can revive it, that God can bring these things back to you. And that's what Jonah prayed. He said, I will look again to your holy temple. Now, when you think about running, you think about Jonah. Jonah was one of 50 prophets who ran from God. Now, here's the funny thing. You can't run from the presence of God. God is omnipresent, meaning his presence is everywhere. And Jonah would have known that. So why is Jonah running from God? Because Jonah knows that it's not that he's running from God's presence. It's he's running from God's influence. You say, what do you mean his influence? You see, you came to church this morning because you wanted God to influence you. You wanted to have an experience. You wanted God to speak to you. But there are some this morning, they woke up and they did have a thought to go to church. But they said, no, I'm going to run from the influence of God. There are some people, they were prompted to pray this morning, but they said, no, I'm going to run from that because I don't want that direct connection with God. I don't want to feel his presence in my heart. There are some that they don't worship, they don't sing. There are some, they don't want to be a part of a a group of believers who pray and study God's word together. They run from that influence. What is that? It's that they don't want that direct influence. We call it God's manifest presence, where you feel it, where you sense it, where God is working. That's what Jonah was running from. He didn't want God's influence. He knew he couldn't run from God's presence, but he didn't want God's influence anymore. He said, I want to get as far away from that holy temple. And that's what they would do. They would pray towards God's temple. You say, why? Daniel did this when he was in Babylon. He would open up the windows. He would look towards the east, and he would look towards Jerusalem, and he would pray towards You say, why would he do that? Because they had this thing. We call it eye on the prize. You played sports, and the coach may say, keep your eye on the ball. Or you would hear the old illustration about the hockey player, and they would say, why are you so good, Wayne Gretzky? you say, I skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it is. Eye on the prize. I'm here to tell you this morning that what we need to do is have our eyes on the prize, looking back toward God. Say, God, I want to see you. I want to see your presence work. And so this morning, we're now saying, God, I'm going to come back to that. Or once again, I seek you. Once again, I look to you. And so that's what Jonah was doing. He knew he couldn't run from God's presence, but he was running from that influence. But now he come to a moment where he said, I'm going to look back to God. But maybe Jonah is like many of us, where we feel like maybe we're running, or maybe you're not necessarily running from God. You just feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. You're like, God, what are you doing? I feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. I feel like, God, where are you? Are you speaking to me? God, do you even care? God, have you abandoned me? God, do you not know that what I'm going through, do you not see the condition that I'm in? God, there's so much going on, and I just feel like my life is in the middle of nowhere. And it's not that God has left you in the middle of nowhere. And Jonah, he even prayed this. He was like, hey, I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the whale's belly, and, and I don't know where I'm at. And God, what are you doing? And maybe you're looking at with the situation. You're saying, God, what are you doing with my child? What are you doing with my medical report? God, I feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. And we're going to put this up on the screen because I want you to see it. I want you to see how powerful this is, where you feel like I'm nowhere. But yet anywhere can be a special place between you and God because nowhere, if you break it down, can now mean now here. You see, God didn't just leave you in the middle of nowhere. God said, now here, right now, we're going to work. 
God hasn't forgotten about you. God hasn't abandoned you. God says, now here, now let's work. Now let's talk. Now let's stop running. Now let's deal with some things. You're in church, and maybe there's some things that you've been praying over. Maybe there's some habits. Maybe there's some addictions. Maybe some things in your past, and it's time to deal with it. And God says, now here. You thought you were in the middle of nowhere. You thought you were running, kind of like a treadmill. That's why I don't like to get on treadmills. You're not really going anywhere. You're like, but you're burning calories. No, no, I want to get to somewhere, okay? I don't want to just burn calories. I want to accomplish something. And so here, God is saying, are you tired of running to nowhere? Well, guess what? Now you're here. Now you're here where I can speak to you. We as a church need to understand that God wants to speak to us. But that's not the only thing. Notice if you would, the second part of verse number four, he says, and look towards your holy temple. Now the book of Jonah was not written on the spot. This wasn't live tweeted, folks. CNN wasn't, uh, had a news anchor right on the scene saying, okay, and uh, yes, we have a brief update. Yes, yeah, this is day two in the fish's belly. Can we get a satellite there? No, no, they didn't have any of that. You say, how, how do we know what happened? Because Jonah looked back on his life and he reported back on it. He reflected back on his life. You see, too often we don't reflect back on our life to inform our decisions. You see, your reflection should inform your response. But too often we just rush into a situation and we don't let reflection, what God has done, what God can do, what God will do, inform our response. Instead, oh God, it's hopeless, the sky is falling. I mean, come on, I just got this update on my phone. There's going to be a ballistic missile strike in Hawaii. God, what's going on? I'm freaking out here. God, you got to save me. And God's like, I've got this under control. And we need to trust God. We need to see that he can work in a powerful way, and we need to let the ref- what we reflect on inform our response. Too often we just respond without reflecting. Some of you have gone through a difficult circumstance, and you try to say why it happened too soon. You lost a loved one, and you're trying to explain it too soon. You're saying, well, it happened because of this reason, or it happened because of that. No, no, it's too soon. Don't get ahead of God. It's too soon to say, well, this is exactly what happened. You don't know yet. You don't know all the steps that God is doing. You may still be in the middle of this journey. You're saying, God, I don't understand what you're doing. And God's saying, I will make it right. But too often, we're so focused on getting out of a situation that we don't get anything out of a situation. Let me say it again. Sometimes we're so focused on getting out of a situation, we don't get anything out of a situation. We don't learn anything from it. And so we're doomed to repeat the same mistakes. Some of us should write this down because that's the story of your life. You're just kind of on repeat. Your friends know it. Your family knows it. Even the little people that chime in on your Facebook, they even know it. They're like, man, this is the same thing you dealt with. You've been dating the same type of people the last five years. It's time to date a different person. Hey, you've been getting the same type of job. Guess what? And I called the chaos creators. Everywhere they go, there's just chaos. Jonah didn't have any obstacles except for the ones he created and some of us we create our own problems we don't really have as many problems as we think we just create them and so Jonah's got to come to grips with the fact that guess what he created some problems so let me ask you a question what's really holding you back what's really holding you back I know it's easy to say well this person in that situation I don't make enough money and I don't no no, no. we everybody's got an excuse everybody's got a reason but Jonah's about to get honest in the fish's belly, and he's about to get real honest that guess what? He left his loyalties. Notice verse number eight. Here's what he says. He says, those who follow vain idols forsake their true loyalty. He said, I forsook my true loyalty. He was a prophet, one of 50. His true loyalty was to the most high God. That's his true loyalty. But he followed it for an idol. An idol can be a good thing in the wrong place. 
That's where a spouse can become an idol. A car can become an idol. A house can become an idol. Money can become an idol. Fame can become an idol. Influence can become an idol. Anything is it, by itself is not wrong. But when it becomes the preeminent thing, then it becomes wrong. Then it takes over. It consumes. Children can become an idol. Anything can become an idol. And God said, Jonah said, hey, I left it. I left my true loyalty. My loyalty is to the king of kings. That's where his loyalty belonged. So let me say this, and please write this down. What you don't face won't fall. You see, Jonah had to get really honest with some things. He had to look himself in the mirror and he had to say, guess what? These are some things that need to be dealt with. These are some habits, these are some problems that I'm not going to go into this next year with. What has been holding you back all of your life and you've just kind of learned to live with it and it's time to stop living with it and it's time to start dealing with it. It's time to start saying, you know what? This year is not going to be like the other years. This year will be a different year. This year, those habits, those hangups, those sins, those things that have kept me back, they're not going to keep me back this year because why? I'm going to face it and it's going to fall. You see, God wants to have these things fall in your life. Think back at the story of David and Goliath. You know, there was a whole army that just sat around for 40 days and nobody wanted to face Goliath. Nobody wanted to face him. And all of a sudden, this little teenager, he shows up. He's got a little bag of bread. He's got a little bit of cheese. He's got a slingshot. And he shows up and he says, hey, I'll face him. Because if you won't face it, it won't fall. And the moment he faced the giant, guess what? The giant fell, didn't it? Some of you are so afraid of that addiction. You're so afraid of that relationship. You're so afraid of confronting that situation. And it's never falling. And until you face it, it won't fall. But the moment David faced it, God gave him the power and that giant fell. So that should be hope for you that if you will face your fears this year, that if you will face those problems, you're going to see those things fall. And what's interesting, if you read that passage, I guarantee what every soldier on that battlefield was thinking after David killed that giant was, hey, what, 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 did, he, what did he use? Or what was he on? Did he shoot up? Did anybody see a needle? A drug test, please. Somebody get him a little cup. We need to, we need to check this thing out real quick. How did he do that? No, no, nobody did that. They saw him hold up a little piece of leather and a little pouch. And what was it? It was a slingshot. They were thinking, you've got to be kidding me. He did that with a slingshot? That's all it took? I could have done that. I could have done that. Some of you are going to look at some of your friends, some of your family, like, why are they successful? Why did they get that? Why is God blessing their life? Because they took what little they had and did what they could, and they faced their problems, and those problems fell. What happens is you and I, we will not face it, and it will not fall. Not only will, if we don't face it, it won't fall, but if you don't, first of all, if you keep faking it, God won't fix it. Oh, we are too good at faking it, aren't we? We are so good at wearing the mask. We are so good at putting on a face. We are so good at putting on this image, on acting a certain way when everybody that's close to us knows it's fake, knows it's not real, and it's time to get real before God. It's time to get real, and then God can deal with the real. But instead, we don't want to deal with the real. We want to self-project this perfect image. When God says, no, 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 no you got to humble yourselves before me. we got to submit ourselves to God so that he can work. But too often, we want to bring this image that we're all that. We got all together. We got this thing figured out. No, no. Jonah had to submit himself and say, you know what? I made some mistakes. I messed up. I really did a bad thing. And God, I need your forgiveness. You ever met that person that will never admit fault? You ever met that person? 
Come on, we've all been around that person. We've got two people that live in the real world. Anybody else live in the real world with me? You know that person? There we go. Where were you the first time? Man, now I know why you're at church. A bunch of liars. That's what it is. Okay, all right. There we go. We'll get there. We'll pray for you. And uh, you all know that person. They will never admit fault no matter how much they are at fault. And I think it's so easy to be caught up in that image. It's so easy to just think, no, I, I, I'm not going to admit fault. I am not wrong. But as long as we fake it, we can't fix it. God won't. And it's time we say, you know what, God? I need your help. But you say, oh, this is good. This is encouraging. But how do I get out of my situation? How do I experience the revival? I, I still don't see Jonah getting out of his situation. Well, you missed it. Check it out. Verse number nine. This is so powerful. You may not like it, but it's a powerful truth. The Bible says, verse number nine, this is Jonah. He said, but I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. I love the next word in verse 10. Then. Then. Do you have a pen? No, you don't have a pen. We don't get pens anymore because you steal them. But if you had a pen, if you had a Sharpie, if you had a highlighter, you could underline. Let's go to verse number 10. Let's go to verse number 10 so they could see it. You see it says, but I will sacrifice. And the verse number 10 says, then the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. You see, here's the key. Release will come when you rejoice. Isn't that good? You see, too many times we leave one year and we're like, that was bad. That was terrible. I never want to repeat that. Or we could say, you know what? I'm coming out with a shout. 17 was not all I want it to be, but 18 is going to be great. 18 is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do because I'm going to thank him in advance. I'm going to praise him for the good. I'm going to praise him for the bad because I have learned in whatsoever state I am there with to be content. I've learned it. It's not something I manufacture. It's not something that I feel. It is something I decide. And many of you need to learn to decide to be grateful, to be thankful because it's gratitude that will get you out of your situation. You're waiting on somebody to save you and God's saying, just be grateful for it. Just be grateful for it. Be grateful for what I'm going to use to save you. Be grateful for what I'm going to use to deliver you. But the reason you're not grateful is because you want God's provision. You just don't like the packaging. God said, Jonah, I'm going to save you. Jonah's in the ocean. That'd be, thank- that'd be great, Lord. What do you got planned? You got a carnival cruise? You got something coming along the way? And God's like, it's not exactly carnival. You ever seen Finding Dory? Now Dory can talk to them whales? Yeah, I found you a whale. I call it Uber Whale. It's coming for you. And all of a sudden, Uber Whale swallows Jonah. And many of us, this is where we feel so entitled. We feel like God should treat us better. We think God should do us differently. But instead, we need to say, God, I'm just grateful for your provision. And I don't need my preferences on it. I don't need my packaging on it. Because, God, I'm just thankful for how you provided. God, you got me through 2017. You're going to get me through 2018. God, you were good then. You're good now. You will be good in my future. And so, God, I'm going to praise you in advance. My praise is not held captive. God, my praise is what's going to get me out of my situation. Instead of waking up every day, another day, oh man, I'm stuck with this person, all my kids, all my job. How about we be grateful? How about we be thankful? How about we be praising God that God has given us another day? It's a decision. I remember in the New Testament that there was two men, they were in a Roman jail, and they decided to sing some songs at night. In the middle of the night, they started to sing. In the middle of the night, Paul began to sing. In the middle of the night, Silas began to say, Paul, shut up. I'm trying to sleep here. But Paul said, 
but I don't care. I'm going to sing. I'm annoying like that. And he began to sing, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark that never fails. Oh, yeah, I just went and got a hymn on you. That's right. I know. We went old school on you for a second. That God, I don't even know what a bulwark is. If you know what a bulwark, tell me what it is, please. It's just part of the song. And God shows up in a great way, and God will move mountains. God will do great things. But we've got to rejoice. We've got to be grateful because it's our gratitude that will get us out. Write that down. Touch your neighbor. Tell them gratitude will get you out. Gratitude will get you out. Gratitude will get you out. As long as we're stuck in ourselves, we're going to miss out on all that God wants to do because it's our gratitude. This past year, I was able to uh, go and be with my brother-in-law. He graduated from Marine boot camp. He's a United States Marine. And man, I'm telling you what, he went into the Marine Corps. He worked a little bit. He played a lot of video games, didn't clean his room. And then he went to the Marine Corps. And they fixed everything. I'm telling you what, I'm not worried about my parenting skills. You say, how are you going to parent your kids? United States Marine Corps, man. I can mess them up. 18, you gone. I already forged your name. I signed you. The draft, they can happen. I'm good. They'll fix them. That's all right, you know. And, man, he came out, and I saw him after three months of boot camp. His hair was high and tight. He stood at attention. I mean, he looked, like, lean and mean. It was incredible. He took us on a tour of that Marine base, which is just incredible to be there. We saw the parade deck which is hallowed ground we got to see the marine museum and while i was in the marine museum you see everything for me is an illustration it's a story because i believe i can learn from life and so i was walking through and you see each display you see all the uniforms since the beginning of history of the united states marine corps see the different weapons they use different equipment and it was just fascinating then finally i came to about it was all in chronological order i came to about 1955 and we came to the korean conflict I saw one display, and it was kind of, they had a guy with mannequin uniform, and, and they had uh, snow everywhere, and uh, then I saw a bunch of Tootsie Roll wrappers in the display. I was like, that's messed up. Some tourists came in here, they got bored, ate a bunch of Tootsie Rolls, didn't know where to put the trash, and so they put in the display. That's just disrespectful. And then I began to read it, and I began to see this incredible story. Some of you may remember this. You see, in 1955... The U.S. Marine Corps was trapped in the Chosen Valley, the Chosen Reservoir. And because it was so cold, temperatures were dropping so fast, they couldn't get their MREs to heat. They couldn't get food. They were being surrounded. It was a desperate situation. And so what they did is they radioed in for mortar rounds. They were low on ammunition, so they radioed in for mortar rounds. But the code speak for mortar rounds was Tootsie Rolls. Well, somebody related to the dude who sent the iPhone update that the ballistic missile is going to hit Hawaii, that's probably his great son, thought they literally needed Tootsie Rolls. So instead of delivering mortar rounds, they delivered thousands and thousands and thousands of Tootsie Rolls. But you know those Marines? Simplify? They said, we can't eat the food. It's too cold. We're going to die out here. We're not going to be able to fight. But when the Tootsie Rolls landed, they found that those didn't freeze. They found that, matter of fact, it was perfect because they had to be on the move. So it provided just enough nutrition so they could fend off the enemy. But then they found that because of the cold, there were the rubber hoses and the vehicles and the artillery was breaking. But they found that the Tootsie Rolls could make a little pliable gum 
that they could seal up the hoses, fix the equipment, and they were able to win the day. Because why? Because of some Tootsie Rolls. You're never going to look at a Tootsie Roll different, I promise you. The power of a Tootsie Roll. That was free. We should be sponsored by Tootsie Roll. Get us in the building. I'll let them name that building. I don't care. Tootsie Roll Church. I do not care if they'll pay for it. But the power of saying, you know what? Life didn't turn out how I want it, but I'm grateful. And the gratitude can get us out. You see, God wants to take our mistakes and work miracles. But we need to remember that today's misery will become tomorrow's ministry. What you're going through now, God's going to use in your future. It's not wasted. Matter of fact, we don't have time, but let me set up next week. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1, the Bible says, And the Lord came to Jonah a second time and said, Get up and go. God came to Jonah again. And God said, Jonah, I want to work through you. God, God said, Jonah, I'm not done with you. Jonah, it's time to get up. It's time to go. You may have messed up. You may have not done what I wanted to do the first time. But guess what? Your life is not over. You may be sitting here thinking I've made too many mistakes. I've messed up. And God is telling you this morning that guess what? You still have a future. You still have a, 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 a destiny. I've still got a call in on your life. And you need to fulfill it. And I know you've been running. But it's time to see that God can bring a revival even out of the wreck that you've made. That God can build an altar in the middle of the aftermath. That God can do great things. And so as we go into this new year, let's not go into it held and bondage the past. Let's not let life lessons be our leashes that hold us down. Let's say, you know what, God, I believe you want to do great things. God, I believe that you can do things that far surpass anything I'm thinking of. I met with a person this week. He's been going through a lot. And as I talked to him, he said, it's been a rough year. Last year was really rough. But he said, this right now on my mind is James 1, 1, where the writer in James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse difficulties because let patience have a perfect work because I'm working in you. And too many times we want to rush the process when the product's not done. God, just get me through this. Okay, God, I'm done running now. Just give me my revival. And God's saying, I'm not done yet. I know exactly what to do. God is the master potter, the Bible says. We're the clay. The potter knows just how long to put the clay in the kiln. Knows if he leaves it in too long, the pottery will crack. Knows if he takes it out too soon, the pottery will be too soft. God knows just the right temperature. He knows just the right time. And I'm telling you, the temperature that you're going through, how long you're going through it, the time is in God's hand. Your boss isn't controlling it. That loved one's not controlling it. God is in control this morning. We need to trust God and see that he's going to bring revival even out of our wreck. And if you believe it, stand and say amen. God is working. God wants to do something in your situation this morning. Let's not sit by passively as we go into 2018. Let's experience God in a deeper way. So what is God dealing with What is that God wants you to stop running from? God wants to bring a revival, but you've got to stop running. And maybe you're here this morning. You say, I've ran from God for too long, and it's today that I'm going to stop, and I'm going to ask him to restore some things. I'm going to ask him to fix some things. I'm tired of running and seeking my own path. And if that's you, would you lift up your hands so I can pray for you? You say, I'm done running. I need God. I need him desperately. I need him in a big way. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, you see these hands. 
You see these hearts, you see people that have ran from you, that are saying, God, we need you. We can't fix it on our own. We're depending on you. We want you to work in a powerful way. We want you to restore the joy of our salvation. God, forgive us of our sins. Help us to walk in the light. Help us to walk in love. Help us to realize that you can bring revival out of this wreck. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.